Hey folks, just a quick little episode today because I'm actually about to pack up and hit the road in the morning to drive up to Kentucky for the bluegrass low cap match. So I actually don't have a chance this evening to to record a full episode, but I just wanted to give a few quick updates and then point you guys towards a, another podcast interview that I did. More are on the way and I'll be talking about those as they happen, but the this is the latest one. So Two quick updates. One is just about the the general E-Men situation. As far as I know, there really has not been any official movement from the board since last week. It has been acknowledged that his appeal is pending. The World Speed Shooting Championship is going on this weekend, which I think is being used as part of the reason that the appeal is being delayed. There is there are real questions about if, you know, depending on how the appeal goes, would he still be eligible to run in the election? We'll see what happens. I, I still think that this is completely absurd and he should be allowed to, to serve out his term and run for re-election and let the members choose whether whether they want to keep him around. And on the flip side, on the, the Mel Rodero issue, apparently the the extension until 531 until the end of of May to get his certification. Apparently that's what the board is going with. And an RO class has been set up just down the road from Mel for basically looks expressly for him to take to get his certification to to meet that deadline. I have seen a a message from Scott Arnberg, a screenshot of a of a message saying that he's trying to call a special meeting to discuss the issue. Hopefully they'll they'll push the fact that there is no room in the bylaws for a waiver or an extension. There was nothing in the minutes from the January board meeting. And so that this idea that they can just give him a further extension on top of this double secret extension they already gave him is uh, obviously there's no basis for it in the bylaws. So hopefully that's coming, but who knows? So that's that's where things are at. I, I encourage you, if you have an opinion on this, to email your area director directly about it it has the the guys from the paracast found out that if you email the board at us so the, the they set up a an alias board at uspsa.org that was meant to kind of go to all the area directors but it turns out it's also going to the other members of the board or at the very least it's also going to troy and i'm guessing likely also jake so if you and obviously this has issues for people who are complaining about the fact that yemen had his certification revoked by Troy and the the guys from the Paracast, Robert Wyatt and Tom Nelson and and their friends who are also friends with Yi Min and he was he had been on that show a few times recently. Uh, they sent emails to that board at USPSA.org alias and the only response they got back was from Troy defending his actions, which is I mean it's it's just completely absurd. He should he should not a he should not even be in the loop in these conversations between members and their elected representatives and be obviously he he should be making his case to the board not the individual members but obviously he thinks that it is in his interest to do damage control and try and condescend to the members and to tell them why they're wrong and why their concerns are invalid which is really a great way to make people feel heard is is to start off by saying, well, you're wrong in the first place, so no. Uh, not not really the best leadership or negotiation strategy, but here we are. The second thing that I wanted to address is the the way that 
a lot of this information has has come out. And the way I formatted last week's episode, I tried to refer to to sources that were generally available, mostly the USPSA meeting minutes and policies, because it was something any member could could go and download and access. I also used the term rumor to refer to basically anything unconfirmed, anything that wasn't that I didn't know to come from an official source directly. And in retrospect, I think that that put the wrong spin on things. There are these are unconfirmed reports. These are things that are accessible to anyone who has access to Instagram and primarily it's it's a lot of this is on on Practical Shooting Insights account. But the things that he's been reporting so far have all proved to be true or at least been implicitly confirmed. There was a an email that someone sent to Layton that he responded to by basically saying, well, how how is Derek getting this information? Not even trying to say that it was false, just saying, how is he getting it? And so it appears that his his sources are, are trustworthy, and I think you should definitely be watching that source. 100%, the, the fact that Mel Rodero not having his certification, that came to light via Practical Shooting Insights, Obviously, it was something anybody could have gone and looked to check, but none of us thought to. We just assumed that it was being done. And so he's the one who who broke that story and brought it to light. And obviously, I think that that has really... I, I think the conversation right now would be very different if the, the Yemen stuff was happening on its own, where this it was not this bylaw about being removed from office the day that you no longer have your certification if that were not being applied as a doubled standard, which, I mean, just, just makes this whole story. It, it takes it takes what they're doing to Yemen and just takes it to the next level and I think really shows people the level of interpreting and or inventing the rules in whatever way gets the outcome that the board desires. So I, like I said, I, I was trying to be very careful with my words last week and I think I was overly careful and and didn't credit the fact that this information, look at it from from the source, from everything that, that Practical Shooting Insights is reporting, judge it for yourself, but so far what he's been reporting has turned out to be true. So I, I think that we definitely, as members who want to be aware of what's going on, having having him as a channel through which this information can get out to the membership is invaluable. And so obviously the the board banned him because they were afraid of that. Obviously banning him hasn't done anything to stop him. And listen, are there are there times when I think he's over the top or his his style is not my style? Absolutely. I think if you're if you've listened to this podcast and you've read what he publishes, our our communication styles are different, but at the end of the day, he is putting out factual information that is relevant to members' interests. And and I don't think we'd be where we are in the conversation without him. And so that's much appreciated. And so, again, I did not talk, I think, deeply enough last week about sort of the source of some of this information and just kind of labeled it as rumors when it's it's much more than that. They are reports that are credible but are not something that I can independently confirm. And I when when that when information is of that type, I will I will try and characterize it that way in the future because again, even if it's even if it's single source information, if it keeps turning out to be right, it's worth paying attention to, I think. So that's 
all I've got for this week. I will wrap up here with a, a snippet from the podcast. So this interview was with Dave Riddle from the Casual Shooter podcast. And honestly, it was a it was a really good time. We ended up talking for almost two hours and he asked some interesting questions and we went places that I haven't gone in any of the other interviews, which again is is really cool. Every everyone has its own flavor and, and we cover different stuff. I, it was tough trying to pick out a, a, a little segment of it, but I, I encourage you to go give it a listen. And I'll have the link to the YouTube video of the interview in the show notes for this episode, or you can just search casual shooter in whatever podcast app you use and it should show up. I think it's the second most recent episode or third. He just posted a, an interview with Steve Moneypenny talking about running for president. So obviously something else uh, interesting there. And I think, yeah, I, I think Dave is a, he has a, a good perspective on things and I really appreciated talking to him and, and him giving me the, the, the time to, to speak and explore some of these ideas. So that's it. That's all I got for this week. I'll be back from the, the bluegrass match next week and hopefully have stuff to talk about there. And we shall see what unfolds with USPSA between now and then. Have a good week, y'all. How do you go from shooting your first match being IDPA, not even owning a gun, not really shotting a, a shot a gun before, to transitioning to USPSA and a GM? What does that time frame and space look like? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so I would have shot my first match in, in 2010, uh, made IDPA master, I think in, in 2013, which is also the year that I sort of started to feel like I was topping out in IDPA. I, I had shot, there were definitely, I was not winning all the matches that I was going to, but I was definitely starting to be competitive and I could see that the, the, the people that I was competing against often shot both USPSA and IDPA. And to be totally honest, I had some friends who were primarily USPSA shooters, but they would come and shoot IDPA for fun. And they, they said to me, Hey, you should, you know, here's when this match is, you should show up and come shoot it. And so by being those, those people that shot both sports, they actually helped to, to bring me over, which I think, you know, I mean, it's obviously counterproductive that all this sort of enmity such as it is, I think it's mostly social media bluster, but this, you know, IDPA versus USPSA thing, I, I don't really see the reason that it has to be a versus thing. When I'm playing one game, I use gear and follow the rules of that game. And when I'm playing a different game, I use the gear appropriate to that game and, and play that game. And so I had those, uh, those friends that I'm still friends with to this day, honestly. Uh, and, and they sort of brought me over and I shot USPSA for a few years. The, the thing that really kind of launched it was getting serious about practicing in late 2014, 2015, joined a gun club and started practicing dry firing on a schedule. And so from in 20, uh, 15, I made a class in 2016, I made M class and then April fool's day, 2017, uh, I made GM in production. Okay. It was like every year you're knocking down different classifications as you go. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, initially, initially classified C class in 2013. Yeah. 14 was B 15 was a 16 was M 17 was GM. So it wasn't like a, a, a meteoric rise or anything. I just ground away at it. Right. You just stayed steady and kept on knocking them down. Now, what point did, um, Mr. Van Halen, AKA Steve Anderson, uh, when did you attend that class? What year was that? 
Yeah. So that was, that was actually what kind of kicked that off. So that was November of 2014 that I kind of had that realization. And so, you know, basically the going into that class with him, I would have told you that the way you get better at shooting is shooting lots of matches and then, you know, taking some private instruction, the idea that you could do what he did and just dry fire in your basement and, and make grandmaster and develop the skills to do that. That was, that was a foreign concept to me at the time. And, you know, I thought, I thought I needed to, to just, to just do, do a lot more actual competitions. And so the idea of, of working on skills and, and isolated drills and that sort of thing was something that, that he really opened my eyes to. And so, yeah, after that, I, I joined the gun club where I'm currently a member and I, you know, now work, help, help out with the stages there and started live firing and dry firing. And, and that's really what took things from a slow, a slow rise to, to really, uh, picked up the pace. Okay. Now, so this is where I want to go back for just a moment to your make ready. You know, Steve is all about, you can't, you got to have one focus when you're getting ready to start your stage. Do you have a focus phrase or something that you focus on right before the timer goes off? It, for me, it, it really is. It is that feeling. It's not so much a, a word or a phrase. It, it's that it's, it's what I want to feel in my hands sort of going to the gun, because if, if my, particularly if my right hand gets on the gun and sort of is in the right spot, then everything falls into place after that. I find when, you know, when I try and really think about going fast or grabbing the gun, you know, in a particular way, I mess up the draw. And then you feel like for the rest of the stage, you feel like you're playing catch up. And so just really that, that initial feeling of, of the web of my hand up in the beaver tail and the, the knuckle of my right hand just coming up under the trigger guard and just kind of clamping right like that, not particularly hard, but just in the right spot. And then my mm. left hand kind of coming across to be ready to receive the gun. Just that, that sort of almost, it's not even really a mental picture. It's, it's really a feeling I would describe it as. Yeah. It's that tactile thing, you know, I get mm -hmm. it. Okay. Oh, that's pretty interesting. All right. You're the, you're the first person that I've, I've heard that isn't visualizing something or whatever, you know, and you're making that grasp, getting that feel and then ready to go. Okay. You, do you plan on, um, competing at nationals this year? Uh, not really. No, um, I'm not, I, I just based on the, the, the time commitment that it would be, I've decided to sort of spend, spend my days off and my resources to go to smaller, more regional matches that I think better represent the things that I'd like to see for the sport. So for example, there's a, um, a, a interesting match that that's being run by Leif Kunkel out of bluegrass sportsman's league out in Kentucky. It's sort of a, a revival of the old battle in the bluegrass, uh, but he's trying to make it much more about a community. So like there's no, no shooting on Sunday. It's uh, everybody shoots Saturday. And then every, the idea is everybody will stay for dinner afterwards and, and sort of have this social, atmosphere. So you're actually building community, not just, you know, people shooting and then, and then hitting the road, which I think was really interesting. And I wanted to be a part of that. And then I'll be shooting area six. And, uh, so I, I mentioned the, the two-year-old, two-year-old at home, we actually have uh, baby number two is on the way, uh, due at the beginning of June. So the only match that I have planned after that is the, the North Carolina section, which since Stephanie, my wife is the section coordinator, we're, uh, we're kind of on the hook for that one. But I, I tried to plan everything in, in the first half of the year this year.